How many science geeks we have in the house? All right. All right. Okay. All right. There's two. There's two. Great. That's, that's, that's good. Scientists are always very curious, right? They always want to know what makes things work. How, what makes this tick? Well, I mean, how, how is this functioning? How is this put together? They've looked further into the microscopic world, right? I thought that was probably one of the fun things when you were like, when you first go to that first science class where you get to use, you know, all the cool little gadgets and looking, you know, this, and, and magnifying things, you know, to, to see little things moving on, on a, it was fun until you started had to like get graded on it, right? And, and, and had to do reports on it and study on it. But they discovered a little mystery. Scientists, by d- diving deep into the microscopic world, have discovered a mystery. And this mystery that they discovered is that atoms contain a nucleus. All right. Give that guy a star. And the nucleus of every atom, except for the hydrogen ones, has two or more Oh, give that guy a star. All right. All right. (laughs) Now, they have two or more protons, and we all know that protons have a blank charge. Oh, yo. We're a smart group this morning. Protons have a positive charge. Now, this is the mystery, though, right? Atoms have a nucleus, and in the nucleus, they have the protons, and the protons have a positive charge, but they're in the same place. When you have two things with a positive charge, what usually happens? They repel each other. So there is no scientific explanation for why the nucleus can maintain together when the protons in it are supposed to be repelling each other in a scientific world, the nucleus would be splitting and dividing and dividing because of the protons pulling it apart. They push each other away. So why is it that it doesn't pull away? Why is it doesn't fall apart? Why does it doesn't explode? Scientists have decided that there is a mysterious The scientists have discovered there is a mysterious force, (laughs) a very powerful source holding them together, and they've invented a very technical term for it. Does anybody know what that is? No. Uh -uh. They call it the strong force. (laughs) The strong force right? Very interesting, very technical. That scientists, all the words they could use, strong force. Somebody probably got sick of, you know, you know how the group of scientists are in a room and there are all these different names and words and one is like, can we just call it a strong force and go home? (laughs) Check. All right. Hebrews chapter one, verse three says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person 
and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The word upholding means sustaining. It means to sustain. It means to maintain, to keep things together. So what is this strong force that holds these atoms together? It's the word of his power. The word of his power. What would happen if God removed his power that is holding everything together? What would happen if he decided to be like, what would happen? Second Peter, uh, press undo on the computer, right? Second Peter 3, 11 to 12 says, Therefore, since all things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, the elements will melt with fervent heat. When you read that, especially verse 12, it pretty much sounds like a description of like a nuclear explosion, right? When you think about it. The most massive nuclear explosion possible as all the elements in our world fall apart. What is stopping this from happening? What is stopping, what is stopping all the elements from falling apart, from dispersing, to, to, for, uh, to, to not do what they're supposed to do? Betsy, I'm glad you asked. It's the power of God's word. And that is the same power that brought the universe together. You guys remember, right? The same power that brought the universe into existence in the first place. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were formed. And for those that like to study the word, right? I was, I, I was, for those that like to study and dig, deep, dig, dig deeper, there is an S on there. How many worlds do we live in? understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God so that the things which are seen in it is seen were not made of things which are visible the author of Hebrews is taking it back to Genesis chapter 1 he's referring to Genesis chapter 1 that in that chapter, we see that God nine times, and I mean, the word says nine times that God said. Nine times God said. And every time God spoke it, it came to pass. Every time God spoke that word, it came to pass. This is the greatness of God's power. This is the greatness of God's power, the greatness of of the power of God's word. So this is the fourth and final message on our series, Power. We've been talking about accessing the power of God. 
We've talked about the power in the name of Jesus. We've talked about power in praise and worship. We've talked about power in um, uh, power in the name in the blood in the blood of Jesus. If you missed any of those, go back. Thanks to our awesome media team, we can, you have a podcast you can listen to. You can go on Facebook and watch it. You can go on YouTube and watch it. But if you've missed any, sermon, any sermons from this Power Series, go back and watch it. Because then you have no excuse about not accessing the power of God. If God's word has so much power. Today we're talking about power in the word of God, right? And if God's word has so much power, what does it have the power to actually do? We talk about the word of God has power. What, what does the power of the word actually have the power to do? And how do we access that power in our lives? And the first thing I want to talk to you about is that the God's word has the power to transform. The power to transform. So a little girl grew up on a dairy farm. Anybody grew up on a farm? Anybody? Hey, I had to, I had to ask, right? Anybody visit a farm? All right, all right. This little girl, she grew up on a dairy farm. And then on this dairy farm, they have plenty of cows. But that was for, you know, the farm business. But they did have one house cow, right, that they kept in the little side yard that had a little shed next to the house. And this little house cow provided the milk for the entire family on a daily basis, on a daily basis. Now, the unique thing about the location of the cow was that it was in between the house and the fence line that divided, you know, the next property. The neighbor on the other side had this big mango tree which overlapped into their property. And if there was one thing this cow loved to eat, it was mangoes. So this cow would feast itself on mangoes on a daily basis as they would fall off the tree. Believe it or not, the results of this mango-loving cow was that he produced, or she produced, mango-flavored milk. Hmm. For all of you guys that like mango, I don't know if you want mango-flavored soup, I mean, uh, milk. But, <laughs> but all the time, <laughs> right? And she would drink this milk growing up all her life until she got to age 12. And when she turned 12, it was then that she finally realized that milk wasn't normally supposed to taste like mangoes. And from that day forward, she realized that she hated mangoes and never wanted to eat mangoes again. Nobody knows better than that cow that what you eat will fl flavors what you produce. So we all know the term, right? You are what you eat. So you know where I'm going with this, right? This applies to our spiritual food as well. God's word. 2 Peter 1 to 4, 1, 
uh, chapter 1, verse 4 says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Did you guys, did you guys hear that? How are you that? Did, did you catch this? Did you catch that? Did you catch this? These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. It's by partaking in the promises of the word of God, right? It's by abiding by the word of God. It's by, by, by allowing the word of God to, 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 to be a part of my life that this word makes us like Jesus. It changes us from the inside out. In 1945, American troops landed in Okinawa and they found a tiny village, a tiny village called uh, Shimabuku. I think I said it right. Now, 30 years before this time that the American troops got to Okinawa, there was a missionary that had traveled and stopped in this little village on his way to the mainland, Japan. While he was there in, his, in, in this little village, he managed to share the gospel and see two villagers get saved and convert as to be, you know, disciples of Christ. He taught them a couple hymns. He gave them a Bible in Japanese. He encouraged them to live by the word of God. The villagers patterned their life. They patterned their life on Jesus. They took the Ten Commandments and made it their legal code. Like this little village took the Ten Commandments and was like, this is our laws. And they placed their, their laws in a legal code based off the Ten Commandments. The Sermon on the Mount became their guide to social conduct. So they took Jesus' sermon and they said, this is how we need to live. This is how we should behave. This is how we should act. And the whole village was tailored to this. So you do know that as a result of the word being this, oh, and they made the Bible the main piece of literature in their school. So the kids were learning how to read from the Bible. They were studying history from the Bible. They were, you know, studying uh, po po poetic patterns from the Bible. You know, I mean, they, they were using the Bible for their main piece of literature. So what was the result of the word being the foundation of this village? As a result, this village had no jail. They had no brothels, you know, no places where prostitutes were around. They had no drunkenness. They had no divorce. And there was an over-average high level of health and happiness in this village. It is not just a slogan 
that says the word of God transforms. It's not just a slogan. This is truth. The word of God transforms. 1 Peter 2.2 says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you, not mango flavored kind of, <laughs> so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. It's through his word that we're transformed. But we must crave it. Like, we like crave it. I know I get in trouble for some of the cravings I have because it usually requires a Milky Way. Like, every once in a while, I'm like, I just need a piece of chocolate. My cravings are probably a little more than my wife would want me to have these cravings. She's trying to look out for me. She's trying to keep me healthy. But every once in a while, I just, you know, I need a Milky Way or Three Musketeers. Those are the two candy, my, go, my two go-tos. That's it. But are we craving the Word of God? When you have a craving, you get up and you, you, you fulfill that craving. If I got to go to the ATM to pull out money just so I can buy a candy bar, because the grocery store is not going to take my debit card for a one candy bar, then guess what? I'm going to the ATM and I'm paying $2 just to take money out so I can buy a dollar, a dollar <laughs> candy bar. We're going to fulfill that craving. Are we craving the Word? Are we craving the Word of God? Is it something inside of you that says, I need more? I want more. I need to learn more. I need to read more. I need to understand this more. Is there a craving in you? Or are we expecting transformation without it? And we all want transformation because many times we know there are some areas that need to change in our lives. We know that we could do better in some areas of our lives. We know that we are not perfect, and we know that we should do better. But then are we expecting this transformation to happen without the Word of God? Second point I want to make is that God's Word has the power to bring faith. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We've said this, we've read this verse a million times, but there's two things here, right? One is God's word. If God's word is what produces faith in us, then a person has to be regularly exposed to God's word if they want to be a man or a woman of strong faith. So we all know, we're like, we point like, man, I wish I, wish I could be as bold as so-and-so. Oh, that person is like so close to God. I wish I had a relationship with God like, like that person. And we sit back and then we don't do anything about it. If we want to be people of faith, strong faith, it requires being exposed to the Word of God. The second factor in this verse is hearing. 
Did you know that it's possible to hear something and not hear something at the same time? Did you know that? Right? Can we hear? We, we can hear with our physical ears and yet not hear with our spiritual ears. But you guys know somebody could be talking to you and you're listening, but the second is not what you want to hear. You're like, oh, and all of a sudden it turns into, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you're not listening to anything. In your brain, <laughs> in your brain, you're already planning. Like Kevin, one time me and Kevin were talking. Me and Kevin were talking. Kevin's like, you ever talk to people that while you're talking to them, you, you know they're not listening? They're just already look, like thinking about what they're going to say next? It's like you talk to somebody. They're looking at you. They're saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But they're, you know that they're not listening to you, and they're just looking to what they're going to say next. Oh, look at that. Mike, hold on. Mike, you want a tag team? Want a tag team, Mike? They're listening to respond, but not to, to understand. And you know what? Some of us do that with the Word of God. We do that with the Word of God. Well, the Bible says this, but maybe if I do this, or can I get away with at least this? Because there's a gray area sometimes, right? And we want to, some people want to live on that gray area, right? Right? They want to they live and walk that line on the gray area. Because they're not so focused on understanding, but like just responding to it. That's good. That's good. Okay, I'm not telling you to do that now. <laughs> Jesus highlights this in Matthew. Why you go ahead and ruin it with that, man? Matthew 11, Matthew 11, chapter 15. Jesus highlights this. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. To have ears to hear means that we have to have hearts that are moldable, and teachable. We were just talking with a young lady yesterday, and I asked this young lady, I said, if you're doing something wrong, would you want me to tell you? And she said, of course. I said, are you sure about that? Yes. I said, because you know, in the, in the years I've been, you know, ministering, there have been many people that say yes, and the second you tell them, listen, I need to hold you accountable to this thing, they disappear, and it's church hurt. Oh, the church hurt me so bad. The church has hurt many people because men, we're human, and we make mistakes, and we do things that perhaps we shouldn't do. But holding you accountable to what's right and to what's wrong is not a cause for church hurt. It's love. No one's going to tell you. Listen, I, t- I still t- I'm, I'm, to this day, I am adamant that everyone that goes on American Idol that cannot sing has no one that loves them in their life. Because if you love somebody, you are not going to let them go up on that stage. They're going to have all types of, like, videos made up with you and all these parodies and all this weird stuff. Uh, you're going to be on the face of the Internet for quite a, t- quite a while. Unless that was the goal, to, make, to be made famous because of something really dumb or really horrible. 
But if you love someone, you tell them the truth. You tell them the truth. If you are going to have ears that listen and that are here, your heart's going to be moldable, willing to hear what God wants to say to us, not just what we want to hear. Having a true hearing heart to his word makes us rich in faith. Third, God's word has the power to heal. Psalms 107, 19 to, 30, 19 to 20 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Remember in Matthew 8? In Matthew 8, there was a centurion. A centurion, he found Jesus, and he says, Jesus, um, my servant is paralyzed and, um, and, and tormented. He's sick. He needs, he needs healing. He needs help. Can you heal him? And Jesus, even being busy, was like, all right, I got you. Let's go. If you read the story, Jesus said, okay, let's go. The centurion was like, listen, listen, you don't even got to go. He says, I don't even need you to go. I just need you to say the word, and I know that he will be healed. Verse 8 said, you know, only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. That's faith. That's faith. He said, he said he's like, listen, you don't even got to move from here, Jesus. Just say it, and I know it will be done. Jesus was like, all right, I got you. Boom. And he spoke it. And the servant was healed. He spoke healing and the, and the servant was healed. No doubt the same God that created this world with his word, that maintains this world, world with his word, can heal a person's body by the power of his word. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Fourth is God's word has the power to fight the enemy. Some people are like, oh, yeah, we're getting about fighting. Like I already saw two or three of y'all get excited. Ephesians 6, chapter 17 says, Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hmm. Who goes out into a battlefield not strapped? I don't know. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know. Who goes out into combat without having a weapon to defend themselves with? Anybody? Anybody? Yet, <laughs> we do this on a daily basis when we are not in his word. If, we're not, if we don't have the word of God in our hearts, we are going out to war without a weapon. And then we find ourselves shocked. That's Abigail's shocked face. Shocked when we encounter defeat. But God, how could this have happened in my life? How could, and we, and we, and we wonder, how am I defeated? I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm supposed to know who God is. I'm supposed to have access to this power and be victorious. But we're not accessing it. 
and we're not in his word. We are living daily spiritual battles. This is a battlefield that we are living in constantly. The enemy, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom he can devour. This is a spiritual thing. He wants to destroy us, destroy God's purpose in us. He wants to hinder the growth of the kingdom of God. He'll love to catch you out there slipping and you not be ready. And you not be ready. He'll love it. Especially catch you when you don't have no weapon on you. Look how Jesus defeated the enemy. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a, come on, come on, say it like you mean it, with a, and healed all who were sick. Jesus, it's just with a word. We look back to the wilderness when Jesus was out there, right, and he was being tempted by Satan. The, the, the temptation to Satan, it, 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 as Satan was trying to convince him and tempt him to do certain things, he defeated Satan in the wilderness by quoting God's, God's word transforms us from defenseless, weak individuals into powerful warriors, armed and dangerous. So how do we access the power of God's word? Because I want to be a spiritual Chuck Norris. Man, there's a lot of younger people here. You know who Chuck, do young people know who Chuck Norris is? Mark Jr., you know who Chuck Norris is? Josiah, you know who Chuck, Nor- Chuck Norris is? Juan, do you know who Chuck Norris is? All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Did he say a Pokemon? Oh. Uh, we want to be... Okay, who's the, who's the latest... Who's the latest guy that's like Chuck Norris in these days? The Rock... Nobody, no one can be Chuck Norris. Oh, IP man. I want to be a spiritual IP man? The, <laughs> who? IP man, he's a martial arts guy. All right, all right, you know what I mean. How do we get to be this warrior for the kingdom of God? How do I access this power? Well, number one, we got to do what it says. That's so hard. Obedience is one of the crucial principles of living as a child of God. James chapter 1, verse 23 to 25 says, For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like, a, it's like glancing at yourself in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. 
But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Um, take a sip. Sorry, guys. Let's be honest for a second. Don't get all super spiritual on me real quick. Let's be honest in the house. If I had a magic mirror, right? Okay. We probably first will rebuke for witchcraft and all that stuff, right? But putting that aside, if I had a, a magic mirror and this mirror, you could reach in this mirror and touch like the reflection of your face, right? You can reach into the mirror and touch your reflection and change magically change whatever you touch to look what you to look like what you wanted it to look for example you look in the mirror and you look at your nose and he says man i wish i had a shorter nose you touch the mirror and your nose would shrink or if you want a bigger nose it'd get bigger or if you don't want that little lump on our nose then it goes away how about our ears? Some of us, my ears stick out a little further than others. You know, you touch your ears and then it flattens it a little bit. Or we straighten our teeth. Or we remove a pimple. Or we add more hair. Or we, I mean, come on, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? If you had this magic, who would pay 200 bucks for this mirror? Oh, oh, it's a bid. Do I hear 2000 2000 2000 We got one, 2000 but who, who if, it, if it cost 200 bucks, who would buy it? I don't, I don't even see hands yet. Come on, who would buy it? All right, all right. That's why, I said, that's why I said in the beginning, be honest and don't get all super spiritual on us. Well, God made me just the way I am. I don't want to change anything ever. I don't want to change anything ever. I'm perfect. We are all perfect in the image, <laughs> made in the image of the Lord. I get it. I get it. But, but if, we, you know, if you could remove a mole, add a mole, take a pimple off, you know, I don't think God would mind that too much. Did you know that a lot of us would buy that mirror, but it would serve us no justice. It wouldn't mean anything unless we use it can you imagine you buy this mirror you put it up and you're like i could change myself by just using this mirror by just touching it by just and you just never do it and you walk away day after day you look at it i could probably change myself but you walk away and you don't do it james compares the word of god to a mirror that reveals our problem areas and has the power to change it. The Word of God is a mirror that reveals our problem areas and also has the power to change it. But we don't use it. But not everyone uses it. Not everyone uses it. The key is that we need to put God's word into practice. We need to live it out. We need to obey it. We access the word of God by obeying and by reading. I know it sounds obvious. Of course you got to read the word of God. I know. 
But if you're gonna un- if you're gonna first o- if you're gonna obey God's word, you really need to first understand it, right? You need to know what it says. I've met so many Christians over the years. So many Christians, they know God's word has the power to transform. They know God's word has the power to heal. They know God's word has the power to deliver. They know it has the power to give wisdom, yet they never seem to get around to reading it on a regular basis, making it a part of their lives. We make time to eat daily, even though yesterday my wife forced me to eat. I didn't have time. We make time to eat on a daily basis, but we don't have time to get into the Word of God. We make time to read the thousand of posts that are on our feed on a daily basis, but make no time to read the Word of God. We have time to watch and binge on TV. I'm, hey, we're all, I'm guilty. I binge on some shows. I do but don't have time for the scriptures. What does this say about our values? What does this say about your priorities? My desire is to see a church. One day, I have a dream that one day our church will be full of self-feeders. Pastor, what's a self-feeder? I'm going to tell you. I have a dream that one day our church is full of self-feeders. So there was this couple, and they fell in love. And first comes love, then comes, then, baby in a baby carriage. And that's how this story went. And now they have this baby, this beautiful baby, and they're so happy, and they're so in love. And, 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 and they don't, it, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to make sure they feed their baby, right? They don't mind feeding their beautiful baby, but what if they had to feed this child right into his 40s? the huge problem would exist that this child, now a man, would have never learned to feed himself. Some of us, don't get offended here, guys. I'm not talking about you unless it applies to you. (laughs) I'm not talking about you unless it applies to you. Some of us are 40-year-olds still drinking from mother's bosom. Some of us are 40 years old still drinking from mother's bosom. They think it's the preacher's job, the pastor's job, some online evangelist, which you would find an abundance of these days, right? It's their job to feed you. Now, don't get me wrong, because we know and we believe that God established the ministry of preaching and teaching in the church. Doesn't take away from that. 
you know, we need that in the church. But we can and we should sow the word of God into our own lives too. We have the responsibility to sow God's word into our own lives, and that's what self-feeding is. That's what self-feeding is. One of the problems is that in this instant world that we live in, we want instant results, right? Like instant mashed potatoes, like instant coffee, right? You know, we cram a little word in, a little verse, add a little water, and expect, poof, results. But it doesn't work this way. We all talked about sowing and reaping several weeks ago or something, right? It takes time. And the sad thing is that many people give up before the word produces fruit in their lives. Don't be discouraged. Let's learn to be patient. As we learn in the parable of the sower, right? Once God's word is planted, we must water it. We must tend to it. We must care for it. We must protect it and do everything in our power to ensure that it grows. Lastly, we access God's power as we meditate on the word. Now, with the second People say meditate. Half your minds went to this. Half your minds were already like, um. <laughs> Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then... You will make your ways prosperous and you will have good success. You know, there's a lot of people out there right now, and, and, and I don't, it's the biggest scam. I don't, I don't understand how people don't realize this. One of the biggest scams out there that exists right now is somebody telling you how to be successful. It, I mean, I see it all. I see it all over the place. Follow my five-step program, and you can be successful, just like me. Guess what? They're probably not successful, but as long as y'all keep buying the books, you're gonna make him successful. Let me tell you how I became successful, and they tell you all these things, and then you buy and you and you become a, a subscriber and a monthly supporter and all these things. And yes, of course, now they're successful. But many things that they talk about, I mean, to me, it's just common sense. A lot of the things that these people say from their stages sounds like common sense. But you know why it sounds like common sense? Because I've, I've read some of that stuff somewhere. This, wait, where did, I, where did I hear that before about being a good steward with my finances? Where did, I, where did I hear that before? Where did I see that? Oh, you mean in the Word of God. If you sit in some of these conferences and seminars, 
Yes, a lot of the principles that they're teaching you, they don't give a verse after it, but much of it can be found in the Word of God. Why? Because if we meditate in the Word of God day and night, it will make our ways prosperous and we will have good success. I don't have to have a seminar on how to be successful and prosperous. I don't need to teach this if we can just decide to be in his word day and night. Meditate. What does meditate actually mean? It means to, to seek to understand what God is truly saying. Like to, to, to really have a desire to not just read something, but then to go back and say, what does this mean? Who is he talking to? How, how, does, how can this apply to my life? How can this change me? How can this make me a better servant? How can, I mean, to meditate on what you read, to read something and says. God, what are you telling me through this message, through this word, through this passage, through this scripture? What are you telling me? That is what it means to meditate. Reading the Bible is not a contest. You're not going to get a big prize at the end of the year if you can be like, done, I read the Bible, I'm done. Read it. Read it again. Stop. Meditate on it. God, speak to my heart. What does this mean? What do you want me to learn from this? How can I change from this? Let the word transform you. If we meditate on the word day and night, you know what the coolest thing is that will happen? God will speak to you. God will speak to you. So many of us are like, God, give me a word. Give me a word, God. Send somebody to tell me something. I know that doesn't happen in this church, but I, I, I've been around long enough that I've been places where people are just dying to bring somebody in so that God could tell them something. People will travel across the country following prophets and following evangelists because God will tell me something. Yeah, he just told you you spent so much money on something that you didn't have to spend money on. If you want to hear a word from God, get into your word and meditate on it day and night and he will speak to you. We have big questions, right? How many of us have questions like, why am I here, God? What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to do this? Who am I supposed to love or who am I supposed to talk to or, or, or pour myself into? Who, you know, who is my, 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 my husband? Who is my wife? You know, we have all these big questions in life. Wouldn't we want to access God's power in answering these big questions? He knows it all. Church, can you stand with me this morning? Four weeks we have spoken about accessing the power of God. Four weeks, one month. 
week after week after week. Different areas, right? But we talked about accessing the power of God. We know. We know. The problem is not knowing. When we go through situations and we don't know. Bible says in Hosea 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, says my people perish, right, for lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding, a lack, a lack of not knowing. But we know now how we can access this power. We have the knowledge about the powerful God that we serve. But not only do we know that he's all-powerful, but we know that we can access that power in our lives. Power in the name of Jesus. Power in praise and worship. Power in the blood of Christ. Power in God's word. How many of us, prayer team, can you guys come up? Prayer team. How many of us are ready to walk in this power? Yes. I mean, that, that's how we should all be responding. Like, I'm ready. How many of us are ready to walk in this power? The power that transforms, a power that brings faith, a power that heals, a power that delivers, a power that helps us defeat the enemy because some of us, oh, we got enemies. We share a common enemy. The prince of darkness. Satan wants to destroy us. We have that in common. Walking in this, in his power, helps us overcome the trials and the tribulations that will come to our lives. Not that might, or maybe some people, no. We all will experience trials and tribulations, and it's through the power of God that we can overcome them. Are you ready to walk in this power?